0: T-Mobile has America's largest 5G network, fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Oopla of Speed Test Intelligence Data 5G speeds for Q4 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Do you have what it takes to be a Taffer's Tavern franchisee? If so, I'd love to hear from you. Visit franchise.tafferstavern.com.
1: Do you like the great outdoors, are you or are you looking to be a master bow hunter, king of the hill in archery? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bow Hunter Planet. It's the Bow Hunter Planet podcast, recorded live in the BHP Studios, Detroit, Michigan, with your host, Team BHP.
0: Welcome to the Bowen or Planet Podcast. Nice. Really On today's like show, it's all
2: about
1: Tim. <laughs> Tim and his... Well, yeah, Not me, Tim. Is. Yeah, there's actually another Tim. That's <laughs> funny. Mr. Tim Kent, how are you today? I'm great, man. How are you? Good. Mr. Tim Kent, join us uh, from Phoenix Branding. A uh, friend of ours, a partner in the industry who we do a lot of work with, actually, over the years. Um, uh, Tim, I wanted to have you on to talk about a lot of things. Obviously, hunting is one of them, but uh, also just kind of the overall marketing in the hunting industry. It's an interesting concept, and uh, I know Kevin and Jamie here are also excited to hear your two cents on it. Because Jamie actually did a big write-up about it and how he hated it. Just kidding, he didn't say hated that, what <laughs> marketing <laughs> yeah. in <the> industry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, hey, Tim, tell us about yourself, I guess, real quick. Let's do that first.
2: Uh, okay, I'm from New York State. I've been working in the outdoor industry since 2003, uh, 2004, something like that. Um, worked with a lot of different companies over the years, both as an internal employee and an external resource. And, you know, at this point, I work as, a, as an external consultant and we work on branding and marketing, um, you know, just kind of helping businesses do the best with their brand, So it's it's a good space to be in. Like I said, been in it for a while now. And, you know, it's been interesting to watch it change over the years.
1: I think, uh, you know, one of the things you and I have always talked about that's interesting to me is the ever-changing platform of marketing in this industry, especially social media. Um, I mean, I can't even count the amount of time you and I have spent on the phone talking yeah. about this. but the ever changing platforms i guess how how in your mind do you guys keep up with that
2: i mean the thing is it's no different in this industry than it di- than it is in any- anywhere else the big difference is i f- i feel like on the whole we're we're generally a little bit more behind we're a little more traditional by comparison to some other industries like let's say action sports you know skiing and snowboarding i mean they were they were early to adopt like a content marketing platform by comparison to us, it wasn't until maybe a handful of years ago that it really hit hard in the outdoor industry, hunting, fishing, Um, whereas those guys were doing it in, gosh, the early to mid-2000s, 2003 to 2006 or seven. I mean, they were getting aggressive then. So, um, you know, that being said, I find that the hunting industry really does have a hotbed for talent, though, when it comes to the, the content side of things i mean we we have in my opinion some of the best videographers there are yeah. I, I i say hands down some of the best photographers there are of anything i mean there are just some really 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 exceptionally talented people that have gotten into this market and you know made some hay here and and you know enjoyed themselves while they were doing it and it's it's always neat to see although we're a little behind the curve i feel like once we do catch up we, we just do it so well. I mean, there's, like I said, there's just a lot of guys and gals out there that are super, super impressive. And, you know, once they, once they get there, man, they just kill it. They just really do
1: an awesome job. It's like, so. it's like anything really. I mean, but in this case, you know, hunting, uh, in this area is kind of a hobby for most people. And I think that a lot of people bring their normal day job into it. Uh, people might be creative designers or photographers and you were you going to say that? No. Oh, okay. I thought you were looking like. <laughs> That's what, you're, you're <laughs> what like you are looking like. Did you get for pointing at me? Well, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell through your big beard if you were gonna say that because you. <laughs> but no, I was just gonna say. I think that they. I think people bring that talent to the industry, um, and it's a hobby. So you know, in this industry, it becomes a hobby, um, which then could turn into some things that are great mm-hmm. for funding and freebies and things like that, or could turn into a full fledge career, which probably is very highly unlikely, but yeah. you never know.
0: I think you know what I what I was going to say is is you know, and this is just my perception, and I kind of wanted your feel on it is what what the lag has been caused by is that I think our perception or my perception at least is that it's more coming from the age demographic of the, of the Hunter and their kind of adoption of the new kind of media sources that are up, out there along yeah. with the shift in kind of the, the going to a younger demographic of, of Archer as well.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, personally, I definitely feel like there's, there's an element of that without a doubt in the mix, but then again, I just feel like we're slow to, to adapt to things. And we look at it, we're like, okay, we'll see if this Facebook thing is going to, is really going to take hold, it, you know, and it's already five years into it and has a billion people utilizing it. So, um, you know, not at this point, I'm saying, you know, rewinding time, but, yeah. you know, so I, when we, when we do adopt, I feel like, again, we're behind the eight ball. So we're not necessarily in a place where we can, we can maximize those platforms because, you know, the people that do generally are able to make the most of it and build the most audience and have the greatest level of engagement. So, um, you know, but, but again, I feel like once we do get there, there tends to be a rapid acceleration because there is so much talent behind some of these things that they, they're able to catch up in a lot of ways. Hunter's so, rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. That's right. Uh, so Tim, uh, what, how did your season go last year though? Your full season?
2: My season was pretty good at home. Um, I didn't do all. I mean, well, I did. I did a little traveling. I um, I went to Colorado twice. I went out and hunted antelope. I, t- I had the prairie track meet, as I like to call it, um, doing spot and spot, spot and stock antelope, cool. and that was humbling. I've hunted antelope before over water holes. I think generally, if you don't have a lot of time, that's a pretty reasonable hunt to do for a reasonable price and you can kind of make make some action if you don't have a lot of time if you only got three four five days um i only had two and a half days to hunt last year just the way some things ended up working out and like i said spot and stock, and had to drop some really long bombs and just wasn't able to connect those they call them speed goats for a reason and i think one of those is sometimes they see those arrows come and they're like, "Oh, I'm just going to move out of the way of that. Cause I mean, <laughs> my shots were like 96, 81 and 61 yards what? on those animals.
1: Jeez. Yeah. And
2: I mean, by the time I got to the third one, which was the 61 yard shot, um, like, I don't even think I aimed, I think I just like <laughs> drew back and was like, Oh, I'm just gonna let that arrow go. Maybe it'll hit it. I was just so anxious because it was, uh, You know, I I was just getting so freaked out, but yeah, it's one of those things where you're always learning and I looking back on it now, I'm like, man, if I had one more day, I would have just done this different and that differently and made the most of it. It's always easy to say that when you're looking Mm -hmm. in the rearview mirror, but, um, (laughs) you know, and then I went back, that was in like the, right after the opener in Colorado. And then I went back, um, in mid-September to hunt elk for like almost the last two weeks of the season and we had a tough time on the elk Um, just couldn't really get into them last year and I'm I'm not necessarily used to that my elk hunts in the past have been pretty good just at least finding elk and last year covered a lot of ground did a lot of calling and just in eight days heard seven bugles and only saw two elk so my western hunts were difficult but after that, I had vowed to my wife with those two pieces of travel that I wasn't going to do any destination deer hunt. So I just kind of hung out number, at home.
0: Mistake number
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, had, uh, I I just stuck at home and I had a good season. I, I shot a couple of does right out of the gate and then I killed a nice buck, I think on October 28th, who was out prowling for ladies and You know, and then I was able to shoot a couple more with my rifle later on in the season, a couple more does later on in the season with the rifle. And, you know, it wasn't a bad year. Put put a bunch of meat in the freezer and um, got myself motivated for this year's Western trips. And, you know, just kind of looking forward to that. It's we're kind of in striking distance now of, of September. And I, oh, yeah. I kind of can't wait for elk, man. I'm, I'm all jazzed up about it. getting my gear <laughs> ready. And, do you do, you you use, a guide, do you use a guide for the elk or do
0: you go out there on your own?
2: No, generally. I, I mean, I've, I've done one guided hunt for elk and the rest of the time have been, you know, um, do it yourself deals. Um, a lot of times I've been on OTC units in Colorado this year. We're hunting uh, Wyoming, So, um, it'll be, it'll be new, a new experience for us, but is that over the counter there too, or no, no, Wyoming's a draw pretty much, even if you want a general tag, it's a draw. So, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be, like I said, new, new pieces of dirt. We'll be checking that out. Lots of research into, you know, the areas and statistics and gear and everything else. But that's kind of what I love about it is, is part of putting together the whole picture and the puzzle so how do you go about
0: researching that
2: um you know a lot of those western state agencies just have really great statistics so you start there a lot of them have hunt planners like you know idaho wyoming colorado they all have a hunt planner and you can use that but generally you know, what I'll do is go in and use a service like GoHunt.com in conjunction with the state statistics and start looking at units and success rates and population densities and of people and animals, how big the units are, and then jump on Google earth and start looking at terrain and see what we, what we like. And then I'm generally doing these trips with somebody else, a couple of different guys that I hunt with. And then we get together and, kind of share the information that we found and then keep drilling down on our strategy. Um, you know, as an example, my hunting partner and I were on the phone about an hour ago kind of just going over, Hey, you know, what are you seeing on your maps and Google earth and Oh, Hey, this is what I'm seeing and just kind of drilling down on spots. And then we, we just mark up our maps and, you know, narrow it down to places that we want to start and build a hunt plan. And then, you know, we go from there and, if the hunt plan goes sideways and that, or that particular spot doesn't work, then we move on to the next spot. And if that spot doesn't work, then we move on to the next spot. Or if that spot is occupied by some other people, we either try and work around them or go somewhere close or uh, we just adapt. And are you? it's, are, um,
0: are you camping out there or how do you,
2: uh... yeah, yep. Yep. <laughs> we'll camp. We'll do either. It, it, it depends upon the situation, whether we'll, Backpack in. We've we've done everything from backpacking in to base camp. I mean, there have been times where we've been exhausted and grabbed a hotel. It's just it's different every year in every situation.
0: Any so. any crazy predator stories?
2: No, no, I I don't actually have any. but knock on wood right story. now for you. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I I'm kind of uh, you know, gri- grizzly bears really freaked me out. <clears> so <throat> when when my buddy was you know kind of proposing units to me in Wyoming he he kind of wanted to get closer and closer to the Yellowstone ecosystem and I was just like no nah, man I'm good I think <laughs> I think I'm not ready for that yet you know I I'm, I'm still uh, I still respect those bears too much yeah. so If you need um, any
0: and if you need any tips on how to run away from a grizzly bear Dave Dave's got some good <laughs> tips for you
1: man I left that story oh, yeah? out him we didn't we never talked about that story Oh and no it was yeah. Well he's we gotta be you know fast the, the slowest guy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's what happened. <laughs> luckily in Wyoming in Yellowstone, luckily for me. Tim was on crutches and he was limping at, out <laughs> to the forest as me and his brother ran past him at full speed, and "Run!" Oh and Tim, I, I
0: sprained both ankles like the day before we got going, to up, the of going the hotel, up the stairs. Going up the stairs is into very hard. Not <laughs> drunk, not drunk or anything.
1: Not yet. Somehow yep. he sprains both his ankles going up <laughs> the <throat> So we drove around. Is that possible? We drove. Yes. Our, we drove around Wyoming, Cody, Wyoming, looking for. For a medical thing, so you get a splint or some way to, you know, yeah. splint both aircast, his ankles. Air cast
0: on both ankles.
1: <laughs> and it crutches. <laughs> and so when we went out to, to look for a bear... Uh, and we saw a bear, and we came running back because we were so scared that we ran right past him, limping towards us, like, "Hey guys, what's I saw, going on? I
0: stayed back in the car. <laughs> and they were go. Gone, they were gone for like forty-five minutes, and I'm just like, "In a death fight? I got to go." Bite. They're either seein', seeing something really cool, or there's something wrong. So I gotta go. I gotta go. So I started limping out there, probably about I don't know, three hundred yards from the car, down down the trail, and all of a sudden, no joke, I just see them come come up over this hill. And just run straight past me and start yelling, turn around.
2: (laughs) So it was a grizzly bear that you guys got into? With a cup.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Things got a little hairy. I can imagine. All that happened really was that we were driving down Lamar Valley, and we saw the wolf pack, which was really exciting. And then just from the road, in in, in that road alone, we saw a black bear charged a crowd of people, which we were standing in. Mm -hmm. We saw a moose. (laughs) We saw a moose. We saw the wolf pack. And then someone from the wolf pack said there's a grizzly bear down the road. People are seeing it. So we drove down the road, and we looked over to the left, and way out there, 1,000, 2,000 yards out, whatever, super far, there was a grizzly bear. You could see a brown dot, way out there. So we pull into this pull-in, and this guy who, I don't know who he was. He had a huge camera. And I remember we were like, man, is that guy from Discovery Channel? I don't know why we said that, but he made a shirt on, I don't know, National Geographic. It was something weird. And he was running down the trail, and he said, and Tony said to him, What's going on? He goes, there's, an elk, there's a, a grizzly bear feeding on an elk with uh, way out there. So he starts running this guy down the trail. And this trail is like valleys of hills, like green hills. And there's woods, but it's way out there. And so me and Tony start jogging. And I'm like, this is stupid. Why are we jogging? Let's just walk, you know. So we start walking like 400 yards down this trail. And there's no woods around me. You know, Just imagine green, tall hills that you can't see over, you know, just rolling hills of green. And I, I remember talking to Tony, I said, dude, Tony said to me, we got to go up on these hills and see how far away everything is. This, we might be here for, we don't know how long this walk is. So I said, well, let me go up this hill on the left. And he said, nah, he goes, why don't you go up on the hill on the right, just in case, because we know the bears to the left. We saw it, you know, we know it's on the left side of this trail, So I'm like, okay, you know, and I just agree. So I went up the hill on the right. He went up the hill behind me on the right. And as soon as I summit the hill on the right, the bear summits the hill I was going to go over. 40 yards from me. down. So if you went through a ravine, 40 yards, there's the bear with the cub standing on its hind legs locked on me with a death death glare. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is not good. And I'm I'm walking backwards. I'll never forget it because I was walking backwards. And it's that feeling of, like, total... Loss of life, like you're (laughs) you're gonna die. This is gonna happen. And I was so scared because before we went on the trip, I told myself I'm not gonna be one of those guys that goes out there and and, and takes a picture of a grizzly and gets you know gets the grizzly killed too. You know because they they you know. And so sure enough, this thing's locked on me and it stands up on its legs, back legs, so it's standing now, and it's got a cub underneath it. I'm like, what is happening right now? And I'm walking and Tony yells at me and he says, Dave, he's like, stop moving. And and I'm thinking in my head, like, what? I I want it to see me, kind of. The last thing I want to do is think, walk right up on me, then notice me, you know. So the bear looks at him, it looks at me, it looks at him, it turns and runs backwards the way it came. And I look at him, and he just says, run. And so we start running down the trail, and I remember falling, and like it was the worst pain in my arm. I, I didn't break my arm, but it felt like I broke something, you know. And I got up, and I still was running like full speed. And that's when we saw Tim coming up the trail, and we <laughs> ran right. Past. I mean, there must be a dust cloud. Going yeah, down. I
0: mean, there's no stop. Like they didn't stop. They didn't. They it just like kept a, running. But forward. It, was so just four, it was so close.
1: Four three forty. It was so close. If I ever was gonna poop my pants in life, it would have been that moment because it was literally forty never yards get, across never the road get, from me. That
0: story never gets old.
1: No, <laughs> it doesn't because it was so scary that we never went back in the woods the whole yeah, trip yeah. we only stayed in the car or on the thing yeah. it was so creepy. i mean i look back on it i don't know how serious of a situation it really was it's jamie from the bhp podcast wanted to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors skull hooker racks inc Vanguard outdoors beyond the ears crossman and stealth cam these sponsors are the rock behind our awesome podcast make sure and check them out Hey guys, can't get enough of the Boner Plant Podcast? You need more episodes? Well, check us out on Patreon.com. Go to Patreon.com slash BHP Podcast to join the Golden Arrow Club and get exclusive access to new episodes every week. I mean, you look at the grizzly man and the stuff that well, guy just did. Well, imagine with bears. if
0: you went up over that, that hill that it came up on. Well, you that's different.
1: You I mean agree. The grizzly with that. man who's dead? I agree. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. think, of, think of how many times he experienced the grizzlies before he died, is my point. He had a lot of interaction before that happened. Don't get me wrong, it happened happen any minute. I'm just suggesting that I don't know if the bear really would have done anything or if it would have just walked away. Because I think when Tony yelled, it, it got nervous because then it realized there was two things happening, right? And they yeah. didn't know.
0: I thought the cameraman came up too and kind of, that was part of the reason why. Then, then at that point, like the cameraman come down the trail too?
1: No, he or was gone. Man. Was he? I never saw him right. again. But you know, he did come down the trail as a policeman. Mm. So a ranger went, drove down there because they were going to that elk.
0: Gotcha. But he didn't
1: know there was a bear on the left side. And so my po- if I was getting mauled, I might've actually survived because that cop <laughs> drove down there like literally 30 seconds later, but I could have been dead by then. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, back to the conversation with Tim. Tim, don't be scared. Grizzly bears are so nice. Just pet him on the nose, say "Good boy," and give him a treat. So carry some huh? dog treats with you. <laughs> <laughs> carry some dog treats. So Tim, what's, tell us real quick what's your setup this year? What, what kind of boat you going in with, and what kind of gear are you going to be wearing?
2: You know, man, I'm I'm going to keep. Uh, last year I shot a May, Matthews Halon 32, and mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to use that bow again this year. Um, I just got it pretty doped in and I I don't really want to I don't really want to make make any changes. Yeah. Yep. So um, what kind of site you using on it? I'm using one of the Rocky Mountain sites.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. So. And what kind of broadhead will you use for something like that? Um I'm probably going to carry two broadheads. I'll probably carry
2: a Muzzy Trocar or a Wacom. Um, I'm not sure which which of the two I'm going to go with, they're both flying pretty well for me. And then the rage Tripan sort of as my, my long distance, um, sort of broadhead. So if I, if I want to shoot an expandable or whatever, yeah.
1: And do you do like a handle release or a a wrist?
2: Yep. No, I'm shooting a a handle. I'm shooting the, um, true fire, the seer synapse release.
1: I think you sent us that. We saw that video to do. I'm pretty sure you sent us one of those to play with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that thing's great. I'm really, really digging it. Where's the? at? I'm trying to pull it up right now. I know I got the video of it here. Dun, 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 dun. Let's see. I'm trying to find that muzzy too while I'm on here. Oh, did you see it? Uh, whoa. It oh. You didn't say that. Oh, there it is. I see it now. Sorry. <laughs> I was looking at the seer. That's what threw me off. I see it now. Oh. All right, cool. And are you allowed to use light in Knox in Wyoming?
2: Um, I'm not sure the answer to that.
1: Okay. I I am
2: not I'm not planning on using them on this particular trip, um, but I'll obviously use them at home for whitetails. Yeah. So.
1: And now you hunt in. So you're in upstate New York. Yes. Yeah, the western part of the state, Rochester. And some area. people might not realize this, but there's a lot of woods there. Yeah. yeah. When I think of New of York, you think of yeah. you, know, you think of you know New York City, but yeah. that's not New York, yeah. realistically. You know, and I never knew that until I met Tim. And then I was like, oh, yeah. you hunt New York? What? Yeah. What do you go to the yeah. So, yeah. the park? What's it like in Central Park? Yeah, Central yeah. Park. There are you. Isn't there the cops on horses? Don't all those yeah.
0: don't all those liberals give you a hard time about hunting? Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Good luck yeah. there, my friend. Yeah. Um, I saw. Um, I saw a release the other day. I thought this was very interesting. I saw a release. I don't know who made it, but it, it has a bar that goes through it. So it's like a handle, but it's a wrist release. So you pull back with your hand, and then you it moves out of the way. Then you have a normal trigger. It was really weird. I guess it's for people who have issues with... Um, the wrist, so like you could pull with your hand, but not your wrist mm-hmm. with the wrist sling. But then you want to use a wrist sling to shoot. It was very odd. And the only reason I brought it up is I see this uh, chicken wing from True Fire, yeah. and it's similar to that, but it's not the same. It, that mm-hmm. handle would actually come through, and then it folds back and out of the way. And then so for and people, so it's like a issue. T, yeah, it's a T. Is that yeah. the? Is that like the, the keton release by? I think it's Spot the Hog Fletcher one, Jim Fletcher one. Okay, Jim Fletcher, uh, Spot Hog's got something like that. Yeah. Let me yep. see. Oh wow. Don't type in Jim Fletcher. <laughs> a lawyer comes up. Archery. I gotta add that little piece in there. I thought this was really interesting to me because I never saw anything like this until I saw it at a pro shop. I was walking. And uh, oh, mm-hmm. and I don't see it. That's oh, wait a minute. No. That's interesting too. A side hook. So there's another release they had that's interesting because it you pull back it. This trigger's fake. It doesn't do anything. So they have a release at the trigger. It's a wrist release. You pull back the bow. The finger trigger is dead. It's solid. It does not move. And this little thumb button is the shot. Oh, is it really? Use your thumb. To fire, so you don't you don't get like panic trip figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, interesting. Kinda... I was like, man, that's like not a bad idea. Yeah. You know, and now it probably I'm makes assuming... it a little
0: easier to pull back potentially too. Yes, because f-
1: you do you have to worry yeah. about your finger like hitting anything. Um, I guess that's I don't know. But the other that's thing is, I was going to ask you, Tim, about this. Have you shot this chicken wing one?
2: Um, I've messed around with it. I mean, I haven't used it consistently, but I is... but I have messed around so with. it. So is
1: that a big trigger? Is that what that is? A two finger trigger? Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Ah, okay. So that's interesting yeah. too. Two finger trigger. That does look easier to pull, you know, I, compared I think to that'd like a, stop you from just you know. Well, that's the point. I think yeah. that's what they're getting at with these new releases. Yeah. These different companies is they're trying to avoid we you. We used from, to do that a lot. Yeah, you from, fin- from the comments. Well, yeah, Jamie does it all it. the time. I make him look better because <laughs> I cut it all the right way up to right the shot, the instant <laughs> shot. But he always brings that finger around, keeps it ten feet above the thing, and slaps it down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Tim, uh, when does your season start in New York? October 1st. Okay, so same mm-hmm. as Michigan then. Same as you guys, yep. And um, yep. Will you, do you have a certain buck you're following right now or, or not really?
2: You know, no, I, I don't this year. That's that's always been really difficult for us to do. Uh, I'm sure much the same as where you guys are because it seems like Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, they're all pretty similar. It's It's difficult to kind of... Blom on to one deer and say hey yeah this is the buck I'm gonna I'm gonna get after this year I mean we'll put out some trail cameras and put them in easily accessible places and try and get a little bit of an inventory of who we have um, rolling around but honestly I, I can't think of a time where I've ever just had success trying to target one deer and then actually killed it I mean most of the most of the bucks that are hanging on my wall um, either just popped popped up out of the woodwork or you know we're different than who i was originally trying to shoot so i mean this year well honestly we don't even have that many cameras out right now because we've just found again back to having a lot of pressure like the more pressure we put on our ground the more they seem to kind of skirt the edges and you know slip between us and our neighbors and nobody ends up killing them so we're trying to be really really low impact even now and then use the previous season's trail camera information and data that we've collected you know during the season hey what happened on this day what was the weather like you know was it were they moving in november or you know if it's early season like what was the weather like that day and were they hitting a certain food source and that type of thing and then use that on a on a go forward basis the yeah. next year to find similar conditions.
1: I was going to say, you know, I don't know. I don't remember besides last year, <laughs> it was the first year I ever had it where we actually were trying to hunt a specific buck, but we didn't start that way. Hmm. And that's the thing mm-hmm. we just happened to, it just happened to come out and then we shot and missed and then it came back. So then it became looking for this buck. But before that, I don't think we've ever really targeted a specific no. buck. In fact, when Kevin and I had a lease out in Michigan, um, we had huge bucks on it in early season, monster bucks, like one fifties and up. And uh we never saw those deer again come hunting season. That was basically like the biggest letdown ever when you see a huge buck like that in your summer trail camp and then yeah. it gets the season and it's like, see ya where do you go? I don't even know I ain't never knew where those bucks went. We never saw another single picture of those bucks with in cameras. The corn. They were gone, and they were monsters. Like, I thought for sure. I was like, oh, my God, I'm shooting the biggest buck of my life this year. <laughs> this is a no-brainer. This is 300 acres. It was like a lot of land, and it just, to me, it was going to be, you know, at least someone was going to get a shot. You know what I mean? We were sitting in the best two spots. We didn't even see the deer, and we are see a whole field. There you know, corn.
0: How was in
1: the Early season, the corn was still up. Yeah, it was seriously depressing. But uh, so, Tim, uh, what, what else you got going on this year, man? What are you up to?
2: That's it. Just. Couple, one one western trip and then hunting white tails at home again i'm not i'm not planning on doing any traveling unless i kill something early here and then i'll probably try and you know hit one of our neighboring states up and you know try and shoot a big deer on public land but that'll be about it so Tim, you, have, you ever go for black bear there in new york uh no um
1: i forget they know, have black bear you're right.
2: I they're a little bit south of where we are. We're in the Finger Lakes region, and they just – there are some in our area, but not not a lot. So um, I, I really haven't pursued them here. I, I mean, I've hunted them in Canada, and I actually grew up in New Jersey, and I still hunt in New Jersey. And we'll go down and hunt them there on occasion. But, um, yeah, I, ha- I haven't hunted them here at home in New York. I mean um, – Tim, have you always just, lived
1: in the east side, east? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So much, did you know much the story? To my dismay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you ever see the shooting of those, the videos, I mean, when they were filming it? No,
2: no. I had already moved out of Jersey before oh, okay. that was uh I heard I heard a lot of people going.
1: they just watch it all the time. Like they're always filming, I guess. From what I heard that, from some people. So a lot uh
2: some of that stuff was shot in the town that my parents grew up in or the neighboring towns. Ah. They, they yeah, they grew up in that area. So so are, uh, your, parents, are your parents Italian? Oh, my mom is my mom's Sicilian.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So my grandma,
2: Yes. So she's got she's got the temper uh, of a Sicilian.
1: So she'll, she, she'll probably makes, she probably makes she probably makes an awesome spaghetti sauce though. <laughs>
2: she does, she does. She'll <laughs> beat you with anything in reach. You know? Oh man, yeah. Don't yeah, set I her, her that off. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's yeah. awesome. Um. So uh, did you – um? Did, oh, you know, I was going to ask you because I didn't see you, at obviously, at the ATA because we weren't there. But did you see anything there that you haven't seen yet in the market or something that caught your eye when you were there that you thought was, like, really cool or anything like that?
2: You know, man, there was some really great stuff this year.
1: Um,
2: you know, everybody was talking about those new Primo's blinds. Everybody, everybody was, that, yeah. that was probably the one thing that I heard of consistently. Um, and then – you know, Faradayne is one of our clients, so we work with IQ and all the all the Faradine brands. So a lot of people were asking about the new Define Rangefinder yeah. site, and it seemed yeah. to be the year of the rangefinder site because <laughs> obviously yeah, it was. Gar- Garmin came out mm-hmm. with yeah. the the Zero, and I think that really set the stage for yeah. a lot of other companies to to be successful with our with their offerings. So
1: um who else yeah, makes just, one just those two or is there another one out there
2: no burris came out with one wow. this year and there's a, f- yeah there's a few other brands that jumped into the market so interesting uh, um, yeah yeah so there i would say there's probably four or five new players that are in that that particular market so you know we'll yeah yeah and it, the it seems so far that the consumers are interested. So I think yeah. that's really cool to see the technology advancing. Just
1: um, for that crossbow one. We'll, we'll talk out. about that later on for Tesla because we just got that garment for testing. So we started working on it. I haven't gotten far on it yet, but I'm trying to understand how these things work. They all seem to work different. You know, the Garmin one's different than what I'm seeing in this IQ one. And then, you know, if these other guys have one, I'm interested in what their differences are. You know, each one seems to have their own different concept with this you know i kind of yeah. like the iq how you guys have actual pins in there That's yeah. kind of interesting you can sight
0: it in different you know than, well it's than, kind of a yeah. smart idea because it's quick right uh-huh. you go boom
1: 20 yards oh there's my 20 yard pin yeah whereas garmin i think their concept is that you range it and then it's going to give you the pin that you need yeah that it's that's all
2: part of it so
1: yeah i just yeah, it's just a dot yeah i that, feel that like on the the screen. Yeah, I feel like if I'm looking at this, is just a generic thing. I think the IQ makes a little more sense just because it's quicker, mm-hmm. and you you're already dialed in. You don't have to rely on it. I'd be worried that I tagged or, the wrong thing yeah. oh, if oh, I'm I never using the, if I'm that. if
0: I'm looking at the Garmin. You know what I mean? Like I put it on the tree that was ten yards. Oh, because you have a
1: laser it. on this one, right, Tim? Is there a laser on this IQ? The the laser is just for sighting in, so just use for that.
2: Yeah, just to get sighted in, and then you take the laser off. Yeah. Well, I guess
0: what I'm saying is with the Garmin because it's only one dot. If you if you don't range, well, how, do you it know, right? how
1: do you know how do you know what the IQ you're on the deer? Like what, what do you put on the deer to know it's on the deer?
2: You ca- you got to
1: calibrate it. So when you when you that's what the laser is for. You use ah. that for calibrating, and then once you've calibrated, then you know you know the the. This is going to take extreme testing, Tim. They're about one of these at our door tomorrow. This is gonna take extreme. So you time. calibrate it so that whatever your pins basically, Jamie, this one's at, all That's you. what it's looking at. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, well, exactly. interesting. I got you. Oh, that's actually pretty smart. So you set it so that the the laser's in the middle of the pins. So you put the no, center. you would no, you use the laser like for your twenty yard for pen. the top pin. Okay, okay, okay so the top pin, and, pen, yeah, it gets and right then everything. The but the, you're yes. saying the top pin is what you're gonna put on the animal when you go to range it.
2: No, because once you start ranging, it's like it's just like anything else. You got to start somewhere. So once you once you get all that calibrated, then you and you know that 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 rangefinder is hitting where you're basically aiming, right? Which when you're at full draw, mm-hmm. then you know it's gonna hit, it's gonna hit that area, and then you adjust your your aim accordingly. So and because that. Um, LCD is within your line of sight, and it says, let's say, 35 yards, you know, to use your 30-yard pin, rather, and aim, you know, a touch higher,
1: higher, yeah. Interesting. What are you guys doing? Stop that. What's happening over there? Job something oh very interesting all right tim thanks for chatting with us tonight man i appreciate it um yeah and, you bet
2: thanks for having and
1: me on yeah for sure man we'll get you back on in the fall see how your season's going and talk about some new okay. products i know you got a lot of products to talk about so we can, we can we can do it slowly but surely and get some more stuff in i know a carbon express and there's just a ton of different stuff you're working on all the time so
2: yeah man all happy right, to dude. do it i'd love to talk with you more thanks guys appreciate
0: it Celebrating the rich tradition of bow hunting for over 31 years, Vanguard is proud to be the official optic and hunting pack of Bowhunter
2: Planet.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast. Online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time.
0: T-Mobile has America's largest 5G network, fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data 5G speeds for Q4 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
1: You know the old saying, selling like hotcakes? What does that even mean? What is a hotcake anyway? They should change it to selling like Hondas, because right now, Hondas are selling faster than ever. Probably because they're so rugged, long-lasting, and fuel-efficient. And if you want one, you should get to your local Honda dealer right away. Check out the eight-passenger pilot or maybe the adventurous Passport. But you got to do it fast because Hondas are selling like, well, Hondas. New models are arriving right now. Don't wait. See your local Honda
2: dealer today.